today, if you got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. You know, we in our country especially, but, but really kind of all around the, the church world, we get caught up with labels. Uh, you, you know, a lot of times it's tied to our background, what church we grew up in. Um, and, you know, I, I was thinking about this, that I, I've been blessed. I have lots of friends from different backgrounds. I've been able to minister in a lot of different places, little different churches. For instance, you know, we have a lot of former Catholics who are part of Desert Springs. I come from an area where Catholicism was huge. So that was kind of interesting for me, going back to Nicaragua and that piece there. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking, I've worked with Moravians, Anglicans, Lutherans, Pentecostals, Baptists, uh, Presbyterians, Lutheran, Methodist. And here's the thing, in pretty much every one of those, uh, Seventh-day Adventist, in every one of those places, I have found those who live and know the truth. That, that understand, we're going to talk about six words today. Grace alone, Jesus alone, faith alone. Those are the six words that are the foundation of our faith. And in all of those places, I have found those who know that, who hold that, who know Jesus. Here's the problem. I have found in every one of those traditions those who do not understand that. Sometimes their, their misunderstanding comes because of maybe some doctrinal issues. For instance, uh, in the Catholic Church, there is a, a doctrine called... Uh, in infused righteousness. The idea is, is that salvation, we, because of the death of the cross, we get enough righteousness in essence to get us back that our sins are forgiven to, to the place of kind of being neutral like Adam. And then it's our responsibility to kind of get us over the end line, to get, you know, to get us saved, as opposed to what we would believe in what we would call imputed righteousness, where no, all of Christ's righteousness is given to us. And so in that, that sense that it's not by grace alone, there's some works involved with it. There are other traditions, you think of uh, Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist, maybe even Presbyterian, where how you live out the life is very, you know, you do this, you don't do this, you do this, you don't do this. And practically, what for a lot that I've met in those backgrounds, this idea of you know how we really know we're saved is by the things that we do and the things that we don't do. It's not by grace alone, through Jesus alone, faith alone. Uh, the Pentecostal uh, brothers, I, man, if you've ever worshipped with them, they, they like it, man. They, they, they get into worship and it's a great thing. But that's also at points because of the emotion of it. Their security is really more based of, you know, am I doing the right things? Do I feel it as opposed to standing on truth? So at the heart of all of this, what I want to say is this. I don't know what maybe your label is, uh, where, where it is that you come from, but what I want you to know is it's not important. What's important is what you believe. And what the Bible tells us is the basis of our faith are found in these six words. Is not in a label, is not in a certain little group, it's in these six words. 
Grace alone, Jesus alone, faith alone. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to read the passage. It's Romans chapter 3. We'll start with verse 19. If you'll follow along, it says this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and that the whole world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, this was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God he had passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus." Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, when we look at what Paul's saying, you kind of got to understand Paul's progression because the book of Romans is a very, almost like a legal brief. And Paul's whole point here is that we all stand guilty before God. In fact, it's really summed up in verse 23, all have sinned. He said in verse 10, there are none righteous, no, not one. So if you back up and you start in chapter 1, about midway through, he starts with, well, what about the pagan person? Maybe the person who's never heard about God. Is he guilty? And he says, yes. Then you get to chapter 2, verse 1. Well, what about the Greek who doesn't have the law, doesn't have the prophets, but they're good, they're moral people, and they live according to that moral? Are they guilty? Yes. And then he gets to the Jew who has the law, who who has the prophets. Are they guilty? Yes. The whole point is all have sinned. All have fallen short of God. And his whole point here is, is that this. We as people are incapable of saving ourselves. We are all sinners. There are none righteous. By the works of the law, no flesh, no flesh, absolutely no one will be justified in God's sight. Theologically, the term is called total depravity. Now, the interesting piece is that people see that term and their sense is, well, wait a minute. Does that mean that we always do the very worst that we can do if we're totally depraved? No, that's not what it means. No, people make good choices. People do good things who are still sinners. Total depravity means is that sin has affected all of me. It's affected my, my motives, it's affected what I do, and so therefore I am incapable of saving myself. That's why we need grace. That's why verse 24, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption. It is why salvation is by grace alone. Because I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. There's nothing I can do. I am in, I'm, I've been fully affected by sin. And so what I need is I need something completely of grace, not what I deserve, not what comes to me. And here's the thing about grace. 
Grace cannot have works attached to it. Because if it does, it's no longer now a matter of grace, it's a matter of its owed. I mean, have ever, any of you ever got a present that came with strings attached? You may not have known it at the beginning, but string, you know, I, maybe, maybe when you were turning 16 and you were trying to buy that first car, but you're a little short, so grandma comes in and says, you know, I'm going to help you buy your car. Gift. Sweet, right? But what you didn't understand was there were strings with that gift. Because now you got a car, so now you were at the beck and call of grandma like the rest of your life, right? And, and if you wake up and you realize you've paid for this gift a hundred times over because you're running errands for grandma. Or I didn't realize, I thought that for a mom to give birth to a child was like a free gift, right? And I've learned that there were strings attached to that gift of life. In fact, it was funny. So I, I flew out last Sunday night to Nicaragua. We got back in. I think I got home 1.30 Friday morning. Then I found out as I got home, my son needed a ride to the airport at 4.30 Friday morning. So I got a two-hour nap. I take him. I've got a elders. We had a retreat this weekend. So, I mean, life has been busy. And I did not have a chance to call my mother once I got home. Now, I'm almost 60 years old, folks. I'm sitting in the meeting on Friday night. My phone rings. It's my mother. Her picture comes up. The name is there. I put it on mute. She leaves a message. You all had that feature now on your phone where it takes your message, it transcribes it. So I snuck a peek. Steve, this is your mother calling. <laughs> I kind of knew what it was going to say. You know, I gave birth to you. You should call me. Why haven't you called me? You know, that, that's it. So here's the thing. So when I call her later after the meeting, was it a matter of grace? No, it was a matter of works. I was obligated. That's why grace cannot have works attached to it. It, it, it's, it becomes strings. In fact, the Bible puts it so clearly. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of our works. I love how Paul puts it in Titus. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Grace alone. Do you all get that? Grace alone. Grace alone. Grace alone by Christ alone. Christ alone. You see, this, this is the heart. Notice what he says here in verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. You see, the word redemption there has the idea that Jesus had to buy something. So to the Jew, the idea of redemption would have been when they lost a piece of land, they had to sell it. It was supposed to stay in the family. So a family member, a kinsman, could go and redeem it. They could buy it back. To the Roman, it would have had the idea of somebody who had been put into prison, maybe because they couldn't pay a debt, or maybe they were sold into slavery. Someone could come now and buy them and redeem them. And see, here's the thing. We had a debt. We had a debt to our sin, and only Jesus could come and pay it. In fact, you think of how Isaiah looked ahead to the suffering of the Savior, and he wrote, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment for our peace was upon him. 
with his stripes were healed. He was paying the penalty that we could not pay. In fact, to me, that's why it's so interesting. Whenever I share the story of the cross, I'll often mention Jesus' last words. Is it is finished. Which is such a... Why would he say that? Because in his language, it was the word to telestai. It was a word used in the marketplace every day. It meant paid in full. The debt is paid. He's dying. What other person dying would utter their last words, the debt's paid. Ah, only Jesus. Because Jesus was coming to pay a debt that you and I could not pay. He was being our sacrifice. In fact, it's interesting in verse, uh, what is it, 25, he uses the next word, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Propitiation is not a word we use much. But it means the fact that God was satisfied. See, God's just. He's holy. Sin has to be paid for. And you even think in the Old Testament when they would bring sacrifices, they couldn't just bring any lamb or any bull. They had to bring one that was spotless, right? It couldn't be lame. It had to be a perfect. Well, you and I are not spotless. We're sinners. That's the whole idea. We've been affected by sin. We couldn't be the sacrifice. But Jesus, ah, he was holy. He was righteous. He was pure. He became our sacrifice. And again, in Isaiah 53, and the pronouns, you can kind of miss it. So I, I've added who he's referring to, but makes it so beautiful in verse 11. When he, speaking of the Father, sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, speaking of Jesus, he, the Father, will be satisfied. He'll be propitiated and because of his experience, what Jesus goes through, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Folk, it's by grace alone through Jesus alone. And what you've got to understand is Jesus didn't just provide us forgiveness, but he also provided us righteousness. It wasn't we were just infused with his righteousness to get us back to neutral, to become like Adam in the garden again, and now we've got to get it home. It's not like God, you know, Jesus got the, the football down to the one-yard line, and now we've got to get it in the end zone. Jesus scored the touchdown. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing I can add to it. Paul says it in Philippians, he says, that I may be found in him, not having this righteousness which is my own, which is derived from the law, but the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me, that has been placed on my account. Grace alone through Jesus alone. Folks, Jesus is all we need. Jesus is all we need. There's nothing we can add to it. It's not Jesus plus. In fact, we're going to go out after this service. We're going to have baptisms, all right? Baptism is one of these things that sometimes gets misunderstood. People think, well, you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. That is absolutely, totally false. Salvation is through Jesus alone plus nothing. Not plus baptism, not plus communion, not plus church membership, not plus anything. It's Jesus alone. What is happening today is because this happens, we're going to see in a moment, by faith. They have come to faith in Jesus. They have been saved. But because it happens in their heart, this is the way for them to let us to know. To walk in obedience has nothing to do with their salvation. Because salvation comes through grace alone, through Jesus alone. 
He paid it all. And how do we experience it? Through faith alone. Did you notice how many times the word faith was used here? I mean, look in verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 25, who God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Verse 26, that he would be the just and justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27, where's the boasting? No, but by a way of the law of faith. Verse 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the law. Folks, it is by faith, faith alone. It's not a result of our works. The only way we access this grace is through faith that we believe. Now, here's the bugaboo. Most people don't understand faith. They think faith is an emotion. And so they become like the little engine that could. You remember that book? Right? Some of you that are parents, you've probably been reading it recently. The little train, little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. You know? And that's kind of how faith is. They kind of got to talk themselves into it. I can get over this hill. I can believe. And they try to work up and muster their faith. And, and then if they think they get there, then that's faith. Folk, faith is not about emotion. Faith is about will. And I was thinking about this. So last Sunday night, we went down to Sky Harbor to take the plane, we had to fly to Miami before we flew to Managua. And I was thinking about this idea. You see, you can go down to the airport and you can have faith that that plane will take you where you want to go. You can have the emotion, hey, it'll get me there safely. So much so you buy a ticket, you put your luggage on, maybe even watch your loved ones get on that plane. But you know what? That plane isn't taking you anywhere as much as you quote-unquote believe as long as you sit there in that little waiting area. It's not till you get up, you walk down that little hallway, you get on that plane, you buckle yourself in, you put all your faith and trust in that plane, that pilot that can take you where you want to go. Same thing with Jesus. You can believe he's the son of God. You can believe he died on the cross. But as long as you're sitting back here going, but man, I'm, I'm going to be a good enough person. God's going to accept me because I'm doing this or that. You're not trusting in Jesus. You've you, you got to get on. It, it, that's why it's the choice of the will. It's an act of the will. We choose to believe. We choose to believe that Jesus died for me. We choose to believe that he paid it all. And we ask him to be our savior. I'm trying to think about how how I could maybe illustrate this. Because what faith is, is trusting in Jesus alone. And this, you know, every illustration has its, uh, its uh, short points, but to me, this is the best way I can do it. Uh, we got two chairs here. I would venture to say you agree this is a chair, and it probably looks like it would hold me up if I were to sit in it, but I'm not sitting there, I'm sitting here, okay? So let's let this chair I'm sitting in represent Steve. This is everything Steve's doing to try to get to heaven. You know, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do good things. Believe it or not, I go to church, okay, like every weekend. Um, four times every weekend, in fact, all right? So it's all good, right? Now, let's let this chair represent Jesus. I can believe Jesus exists. I can maybe even trust him. You know, I go through that hard time in my life financially, and I say, Lord, help me, and he does. And, and that's all good. But really, Jesus isn't doing me much good as long as I sit here trusting in Steve. 
And what faith is, is realizing Steve's never going to get me to heaven, and I come and now I put all of my trust in Jesus. Not Jesus plus Steve, just, just Jesus. That's what salvation is. It is faith alone. It is in the fact that Jesus paid it all. All I have is in him. Folks, that is the heart of the gospel message. It is grace alone, through Jesus alone, by faith alone. In fact, maybe the greatest verse of the Bible lays it out. For God so loved the world. Why did he love us? Nothing lovely about us. It was grace. Grace alone. That he gave his only begotten son. Why did he give Jesus? Have you ever stopped to think, if I could save myself, then why did Jesus have to die? Really, if I could be good enough, that God could accept me, then why would God send Jesus to go through that horrific death? You see, the reason he did was that was the only way. I was not capable of saving myself. So he sent his only begotten son, Jesus alone, so that whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life faith alone folk i don't care what i I don't care what your label is this isn't about baptist church or community church or catholic church or lutheran background or any of that it is about grace alone through jesus alone by faith alone now my question is have you come to that point the matter of the will. 